A man in a rather oily looking and paint stained set of overalls walks into the studio this week, gives a nod to the patiently crocheting lady on one side of the desk, the frantically cat randling individuals on the other side, and raises that rather hassled looking chap leafing through boxes and boxes of photographs looking for the right one. He has the distinct impression that he's forgotten something. Sitting down in his seat and putting down his Too Hot Too Messy Pilots log, Volume 5, with a thump, he straightens his moustache and frowns. He's sure he's forgotten something. Cocking his head to one side, he listens for a minute, and he can hear a faint knocking sound, as if someone is locked inside something and desperate to get out. Or outside something and trying to get in. He glances over at the rest of the room, looking at each individual present, holds down a finger representing each one. Then he checks the notebook in his top pocket again and glances at the photographs at the top of the broadcast page. Then an expression of, oh, appears on his face and he stands back up, goes to the door, unlatches it, slides it open and reveals the last remaining member of the crew. Dressed in a straw hat, colourful blazer and outrageous pair of glasses. You know... We really ought to give everyone the passcode for that door, he says. Because without it, we can't say the words. Our mics are live. Good evening. And welcome once again to the totally seamless Hutton Orbital Weekly Radio Show. Oh, you've done it now. You should have said the really seamy Hutton Orbital Weekly Radio Show. That sounds dodgy. I'm not sure I want to get all seamy in here. Well, as long as we don't get all samey, then we're okay. Seems. Oh, fine. Oh, samey's good. It's familiar, comforting. Like an old pair of slippers. Your favourite drink. If it's all the same to you, I've checked the volumes, I've put the sounds in the thing, he's put the pictures in the other thing, and they put the numbers in the cruncher. So let's just get on with the headlines. Tharg digs for victory after uncovering World War II poster campaign. Orbitals finally understand the gravity of the situation. A year? Has it really been a hot, messy year? Near-disastrous game of hide-and-seek leads to door handles on the inside. Commander Chicks's less-than-obvious invention shelved. Atrus is sounding all seedy. And the swingometer points most pointedly in Hutton's direction. <clears throat> in an effort to help keep supply lines open to the battlefront surrounding various meals from Beachhead, Tharg has been taking a leaf out of Great Britain's playbook and launched a massive Thargoid civilian campaign. 
Not content with hoovering up occupied escape pods, kidnapping countless humans for presumed nefarious purposes, Thargoid agents have been infiltrating military museums throughout human space in the hopes that they can find the secret to the dogged persistence with which Homo sapiens have fended off attacks over the millennia. Tharg's problem has been one of fuel, the kind of the kind that barnacles provide. Whilst languishing over in the Coal 70 sector, or in fact most of the galaxy where ammonia worlds can be found, barnacles were plentiful and provided much needed sustenance for passing Thargoid tourist buses, explorers, wedding barges and the like. But with humanity, and the blame for this is rightly or wrongly being placed at the doors of Canon Interstellar, having discovered these locations and the knobbly knockoffable bits that are meta-alloys, the barnacle sites have become drastically depleted. Without the aid of alternative sources and the increase in fuel needed by the invasion fleets as a result of ongoing efforts of Volcarius, Alex Zuno and of course Haxwing plus allies, Dark has dug up the old dig for victory campaign and taken it to heart. Orthus ships more of a curiosity than a danger out in space, unless they call for their mates Big Steve, Hydra and Alan the Basilisk, in which case someone's likely to take a kicking, appear to have been responsible for breaking out the spade, the garden fork, a trug, and of course the dibber. If you don't know what a dibber is, go and look, what, go and look it up on Galweb. And as humanity does when the weather turns fine, get to a spot of gardening. Unless you're in the United Kingdom, where the definition of fine means it says on the calendar that it's summer, so do it then, because you can't tell by looking out the window, having procrastinated since spring. What are presumed to be new barnacle sites are popping up all over the place like a bad case of Japanese knotweed, and Targ is hoping that his, or her, or their, or its, green-fingered Orthus buddies will have enough fuel to harvest by the next big push. Of course, as with Thargy McGregor, when faced with those most naughty of bunnies, Benjamin and Peter, with a side order of Mopsy, Flopsy and Cottontail, but that's enough mention of the radio show's pet names for each other, Tharg needs to ensure that these budding little cottage gardens don't fall foul of greedy predators. So, he's brought in a few revenants to chase away any marauding human intent on nibbling his shoots. Cannon Interstellar, not afraid of little Errol's big spitting cousins, I put out an appeal for anyone travelling across the galaxy to log in to log any new allotments they find. Definitely not so they can rob them. Definitely in the name of science. Of course. With the galaxy being so big, sometimes it takes a while for things to catch on. Depending on whether they were invented over at Beagle Point could be as long as 65,000 light years at the correct speed. Hutton being a long way in supercruise from anywhere, unless you're on a fleet carrier, is no exception to this rule. It isn't that far in galactic terms, but when you're busting for the loo and the distance thingy isn't going down very fast, as A, you thought it said light seconds and not light years, and B, your ship still hasn't reached the magic number 2001, hint, due to the second star in the trinary system it won't either unless you overshoot, then it's really far to keep your legs crossed. We've speculated for a long time about the gravity of the situation, not in those lovely spinning Corollas and orbit stations, but in little orbitals like ours. 
Whilst we understand that magnets, velcro and fans are responsible for almost all the work in keeping the station the right way up, and, and yes, despite there being no gravity, there is a UP at Hutton, the Dietrichs and commanders stuck to the floors, the dozing concourse loungers stuck to their seats, and of course the cups and glasses stuck to the bar. There was an issue with what was in the cups. Even though your barman or woman can squeeze the specially made bottle of Centauri Megagin just the right amount to give you exactly one measure of it in your glass, and the glass staying as a result of suction, as firmly attached to the bar as your feet are to the floor, the only way that the liquid behaved and sat in the glass was the addition of magnets, uh, and of course iron, chemically added to any liquids in the bar. The iron content was sufficient that your drink stayed stuck inside of your glass, to all intents and purposes staying put until you suck hard enough um, at it on the night out with your friends. Whilst high iron content is great when you're having a, a pint of Guinness and helps keep you healthy, it was noticed that due to the drinking habits of many Hutton truckers, they were developing metal tendencies, growing their hair long, wearing a lot of black, having flight suits with a lot of commemorative patches on them and giving each other strange hand signals when passing in the corridors. Alvin, whilst a fan of metal himself, and Lael, who more of a goth emo character, were concerned enough a number of years back to invent the Hutton Sippy Cup, a grown-up version of the Tommy Tippy Cups given to small children to stop them spilling their orange squash all over the carpet. Or in our case, uh, substitute Palantir, uh, red wine and expensive radio equipment. It turns out that after extensive study of Commander Palantir's drinking habits and the lack of explosions, blue smoke escaping and, and fires in the radio studio as a result of unexpected liquid uh, to electronic interfaces, the design for the Hutton Sippy Cup has now been exported to orbitals throughout the galaxy and the iron content of all drinks has been reduced back to normal levels. What has really got our goat though is that certain websites on the Gal web have been touting these as genuine original Hutton Orbital sippy cups, complete with our logo on them and making an absolute killing on selling them to the unsuspecting public. Commander Chicks has been straight onto his lawyers who have sent some rather sternly worded emails to the entire galaxy about the misuse of Hutton property without proper payment. Their response, well, we need to know exactly how many orbitals and concourse bars are using the knockoffs. So you finish up that too hot, too messy campaign to log them all and we'll give it due consideration. In the meantime, keep your eyes peeled next time you're at the bar. If you see a Hutton sippy cup in the bar that hasn't yet been logged in the Hutton helper, do your bit. Sell them some gin and a mug and we'll add them to the list. Talking of mugs and gin. After 52, 52, that's um, 12 months and that's a year. Wow, a year seems longer. Anyway, too hot, too messy. The Hutton Land Initiative to deliver a Hutton mug and Centauri Megagin to all the stations of the galaxy has recorded over 86,000 deliveries. Last week's numbers were rookie numbers, the lowest ever at 732. Did someone have a weak cough? You need to pump up those numbers. 
and saw the four-weekly average has dropped to around a thousand deliveries a week. No new commanders joined in the last couple of weeks, leaving the number signed up to 294, who are spread across 96 squadrons. Hutton still has the largest contingent with 93 commanders, who have delivered over 46,000 mugs. The Buckyball Racing Club are in second with over 5,100. The Wind Hussars are still static in third on 3150 and haven't added any mugs to their total in six weeks. The Paladins are in fourth, still closing on 2000. The Anti Xeno Initiative have continued their push to take fifth from the Order of Twelve, and the Burpit are now seventh. Membership of the Thousand Club remains at ten squadrons. Commander Chicks is still leading the deliveries table with almost 13,200 mugs delivered. Some say that he's been necking Guinness all week in West West Britain. Wooler 81 is second with over 11,400 deliveries, ahead of Nemb in third with over 6,500. Shea Blackwood is in fourth place, having joined the 5,000 club, ahead of Infinite Dreamer in fifth, who is closing on 3,100 mugs. Talkie Mouse is in sixth, ahead of LDSK in seventh, who is marginally ahead of Border Reaver in eighth, who is in turn marginally ahead of Sinister Hedgehog in ninth. Val Sylvana finally joined the 1,000 club as its 15th member, and immediately jumped ahead of Dart Virtual into 14th place. Uh, of course, we know all this because it is tra- tracked live in the Too Hot, Too Messy event page in the Hutton Helper. There is also a chance to win, win a real world, not a ripoff from Red Bubble. Ballistically delivered, dishwashers unsafe, self cleaning so you don't have to, hot and mug. Any commander that delivers 10 mugs and gin in the weekly Thursday to Thursday period will be entered into next week's draw to win a real hot and mug. Unless, of course, you already have one. Over 50 lucky commanders now have a little golden mug next to their names in the top commander's table. Last week's mug winner was Azzy Elbow, and keep listening for this week's winner to be announced in the banter bit after the news if you delivered 10 mugs and gin in every week since the start a year ago you'd have racked up at least 520 deliverers and only 27 or only one in the 11 of signed up commanders have achieved this if you haven't why not give it a try and share the burden for the next five years in order to join in the fun You'll need to sign up by downloading the Hutton Helper from hot.forthemug.com slash download and then your mug and gin deliveries will be automatically registered for you by Antares' organic, non-GMO, grass-fed, local AI hamsters. The eagle-eyed amongst those watching shipboard system updates and galactic improvements may have noticed a little nugget amongst the words published by the pilot of the PWAF this week related to locking oneself in cupboards. Okay, so it was containers, which of course you would only be in 
if you are robbing them of their Lazarus or other dodgy materials, and only if you stayed in one for too long. For instance, if you went for a nap on top of one of the containers inside. It begs the question, how did this become a thing that needed fixing? It turns out that it was our own apology officer who, after a particularly harrowing mission to recover a lot of data from shipping containers and investigating quite literally hundreds of the ruddy things, he had decided to take a break. So, having chopped open a control panel, stomped into the container and found none of what they were looking for, they sat down to write this week's Hutton Helper results. Which, as regular listeners to this show can attest upon reading, almost always lead to oscitation. In fact, study of the radio team has discovered that it is one of the main causes of echopraxic oscitations. Nothing to do with the content, more of the Pavlovian response to the late hour that it is broadcast. Winning things is exciting, as is hearing your name read out in this very show. But there's something about that section, whether it's the colour or the font, Comic Sans in case anyone was wondering, or the precise placement of punctuation that sets the apology officer off. Anyway, there's something to do with yawning and brain temperature regulation, but we've not got a clue what it is. Suffice to say that the apology officer sat down for a nap, whereupon a passing maintenance team, spotting the broken control panel, promptly repaired it, switched out the lights and closed the door. Awakening to a darkened room, and initially having no idea where they were, the apology officer flipped on the helmet-mounted flashlight and realised that A. They were inside a container B. It was shut C. There was no door handle D. Nor was there a control panel E. Bashing really hard on the wall with the butt of a rifle when the outside was a vacuum didn't generate any noise except in the repressurised container and F, oh dear. With suit comms, ba- sorry, with suit-based comms blocked by the material of the container, mainly to stop prowling scavengers from scanning the contents from the outside, the apology officer MacGyvered a solution out of a discarded data pad, a battery, some Lazarus that may have been recreational, and the contents of a shield grenade, which connected them up to the Frontier Ticketing System a division of the Pirates Federation dedicated to non-Thargoid bugs and their logging, whereupon the apology officer submitted a ticket marked URGENT and containing the words I'm stuck in a container and I can't get out and their last known coordinates. Luckily, being on the ball, Sally and her PWAF spotted the message, marked the ticket as RECEIVED and sent a rescue team, who cut the apology officer out of the giant container Well, they cut open a few and nearly left before they realised the apology officer had fallen asleep in the corner again. And submitted the suggestion that a door handle be fitted to the inside of the container in case this happened again. So, all's well that ends well. The apology officer got their nap, they completed their mission, containers were improved in case little Timmy locks himself in one when playing hide and seek, and there's a maintenance crew wandering the galaxy wondering who keeps smashing their high security locks all the time and then leaving all the contents of the container behind. Commander Chicks, normally known as the inventor of high prediction proof moustache wax and tweed flight jack suit, 
doesn't normally fall, fail with his latest inventions, but this week's attempt to go down in history alongside Velcro, the ballpoint pen, cold fusion and the light bulb seems to have failed. With the ever-present risk of Thargoids throughout the galaxy interrupting his efforts to deliver mugs and gin, plus a number of settlements being quite cross at his presence and attempts to foist things off on their markets, he's been hard at work at the drawing board coming up with a cunning contraption to conceal his comings and goings and sneak firmly under the radar when being too hot and too messy. Not content with being cooler than a penguin's flat feet on an ice sheet at all times and therefore totally invisible to radar, Commander Chicks has been working on the visible spectrum and invented the invisible ASP. Using an open university combination combination online and correspondence course in material science, a couple of videos he watched on Galtube, and a schoolboy's appreciation for science lessons that were probably phased out in the 1900s, Commander Chicks took his 3.8, a beaker bar, breaker bar even, a timing strobe and some of those thin probe dinghies for measuring gaps and disassembled his antiquated asp. Stripping it down to its component parts, applying a little bit of chemistry and an awful lot of guesswork, plus a couple of hot and mugs ground up into powder and a lot of ale, he repainted, reassembled, tightened and torqued everything and set out for a test flight. Achieving a suitable distance away from the Hutton Orbital's private docking bay in case of problems, he engaged a quantum desolidifier flipped a switch and attempted to make his ship totally invisible in the visible spectrum. Which, much to his surprise, worked. In fact, it worked so well that on glancing down, he realised that he couldn't see anything except himself and stars. Oh, and his radar for some reason. Groping Groping around a little, he could feel his cockpit and being a pilot of many hours experience, he believed he could remember where everything was, but the sensation of floating in space, surrounded by absolutely nothing and without his remlock engaged, was enough to induce mustache quivering terror and put him at severe risk of soiling his tweed undergarments. The problem with rendering your ship invisible is, if you don't remember where the button is to turn it back visible again, you run the risk of pushing the wrong thing. Which is what he did. And why it boasted. And why it entered the no fire zone. And attempting to apply the brakes. Yes, you guessed it. Earned a rebuy. Hutton Flight Control has issued a warning to any passing ships to moderate their speed as the likelihood of crashing into an invisible space debris is high at the moment. Commander Chicks has been rescued and gone back to the drawing board and written a big note on the top. Make just the outside invisible next time. He's pointedly ignoring incoming emails from someone calling themselves Diana Prince. Good evening, Slackers! Aces 5060 reporting in the latest updates on the Thargoid War. 
It's been another week of successful defences, but the Thargoids have a new variant and seem to be finally doing things in systems they control. AX squadrons have continued to push the Thargoids back this week, thwarting efforts to push systems in full-blown invasion, as well as humanity reclaiming systems push the Thargoids back towards the Maelstroms. We now have five Maelstroms with less than a hundred systems under Thargoid control, and while we are nowhere near done defeating the Thargoids, we're making steady progress and taking back our territory. The Thargoids have also unleashed a new variant of their Hunter class, called the Scythe, or is it Scyther? The Scyther, or is it Scyther? Seems to be very interested in collecting occupied and damaged escape pods, making the question of what the Thargoid is doing with all these captured humans. In addition to the new Thargoid Hunter variant, a startling discovery has been made in systems controlled by the Thargoid. Reconnaissance missions spearheaded by Canon Research and many other groups into enemy territory has shown that the Thargoids seem to be seeding planets with something resembling the Leviathans and Barnacle sites discovered in the Pleiades several years ago. It is the change in the dynamic of the war, where seeding planets in controlled territory will make it more difficult to remove the Thargoid infestation. Are the Thargoids going to permanently have a presence in these systems? More importantly, why are the Thargoids seeding these planets? Are we getting closer to the motive for this war? Many questions have been raised with few answers to be had. Hackswing will be doing its bit to help determine the Thargoid intentions alongside its allies in mode. Is it M-O-D-E? Hexwing, your orders for this week will be to defend the following systems in the Indra Maelstrom. It's all gold. It's hip to our O one nine H I P two O four nine two and sixty nine Upsilon Tauri. In addition to all that, Hexcom is asking trackers to enter any trackers interested to help document and report any unusual Thargoid activity by scanning in Thargoid controlled systems for these new seeding sites. The more we understand about the Thargoid environments, they need to see the planet. I'll start that again. I think the more we understand about the environments they need to see the planet and if they are quite unique Thargoid activity happens at them. Gold, I got through that. Let's get those lab coats on and defend humanity. For them on! Do not adjust your radio device. Normal service has resumed after last week's um <clears throat> report. After a bit of a marginally manic period, things have quietened down a little in London space. Five systems are on the naughty step and we have one system on the blink. More on those stories coming up. Bottom of the pile this week is our new permanent resident of the Duffer Zone, Ross 671 on 30%. 
Two wars and a pending outbreak guarantee that we'll be featuring this system's hopelessness next week, so stock up your fleet carriers with meds and get busy delivering when it breaks. The by-election in 36 off Yuki was a resounding victory for Hutton, and with it heralds a new era in Hutton politics and a seismic shift in... Oh, sorry, uh, wrong script. And I wish I had a credit every time I heard by-election predictions. Anyway, we won another station, Lunan Holdings. After succumbing to altitude sickness on 38, hard-to-move Epsilon Indy momentarily touched the void by falling off a cliff to 33. A minor war is locking up a small amount of influence, but this shouldn't stop you trying to boost Hutton influence. Hillpar size continues its poor run of form on 35, and the system is quiet with no conflicts, so get in there and do some good things. Epsilon Eridani is on 36, still recovering from last week's outbreak. Run of poor form LP525-39 is maintaining its poor run on 38, where it has been squatting for the last month. We have an infrastructure failure in Y0855-0714, and if you want to help out and make a killing at the same time, deliver water purifiers, power generators and food supplies to Yamazaki Landing. Last night we retreated from Tabit. Where? Well, it was a grotty little dump we expanded into some months ago. At the overachieving end of the Hutton systems table, we have four systems, on or above 60% and one of which is over 70 Priorities this week are, if you want to truck something, relieve the infrastructure failure in WISE 0855-0714 and boost Epsilon Indy and Hill Pass I. Okay, who are you and what have you done with Amelia? (laughs) Bloody seamless. Actually seamless. Uh, mm, mm. Yes, uh, yes, true, true. true. A couple of of loose threads, but seamless still. still. Mm. And there's a a worn patch on the elbow. As seamless as a thing without seams. I'm talking about the tweed jacket. It needs a... Not, not the tweed, the jacket, that's a tweed flight suit. Needs a sort of Brunswick green velvet patch. Oh nice. Yeah, but 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 but, but chicks, why have you got a, an elbow on your f- tweed undercrackers? Yeah. Because uh, I don't know my ass on my elbow. That'll be the one. <laughs> oh god. Um, so did anyone see the frontier live stream? No, no, no. There, there wasn't a live stream. There was better than a live stream. Better than a live stream. What's, What's better, better than a live, than a live stream? stream? Sorry. <laughs> What's better than a front? I say, I say, I say. What's better than a frontier live stream? There was an update to the new launcher. <gasps> no. no. Genuinely. Not only that. There's more. Yeah, there was a bug fix in it. It loads the news now. When you scroll down for more on the right-hand side. Woohoo! That's fancy. So, so fancy. Don't tell me. Oh. Until now, I didn't know (laughs) what... Mr. Ambassador, you're spoiling us. Um, Was there anything else? (laughs) Don't we have, like, a link for people? people. Do we have, like, a link for people? A link for people? What? To show the link. link for the updates, um, so that I think if people they are probably to already them. seen it by now. Well, if they're not playing it, they don't deserve it. Uh, Send them out. If they are playing don't it, they don't need button. it. 
Um, does that, what do people think of the new interface? Do you like it? Do you don't care? What's... I like it. It's okay. Yeah. It's fine. It's well, one thing yeah, it's not bad. If there's one thing I've been missing in my life, it's beige buttons. I, I'm not a fan of change. Yeah, we feel. Change. I don't. It, but it oh, wears a hole in your pocket. <laughs> yeah, but they're but they're big, friendly beige buttons. But yeah, they're rounded at the edges and everything, yeah. so you don't hurt yourself. Mm. They're great. Fancy. After they took all the planets out, they had to get some beige in somewhere. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I I suspect I suspect the influence of the beige cowboy in that one. The beige cowboy. Yeah. What was his name? Was it Sandro? He used to have the space loach. <laughs> yes, Sandro. Yeah. 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 I don't Sam, remember Sandro's surname, but yeah, San Marco. San Marco. San Marco. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic name. How did I forget that? So I'll, uh, I'll have, I'll have it... the Sandro Samarco, please. Would you like yes. prawn or chicken? Yes. Would you like steak Lush. burrito with that? <laughs> so is that the only news we have before we go into the space news? Have a look at those notes. I think one of those spoiling things, us. One of those things I think is well worth mentioning is that they have set up Brooks Galactic Tours mm. in memory of Michael mm. Brooks. Oh, yes. That's um, good. It's a new series of mini tourist beacons um, to a handful of fantastic locations. I might go and look at this myself. The first of the series begins at the Beacon at Freehome. We hope you enjoy exploring and we'll take a moment to pause and enjoy the wonder that Mike helped to bring to the <coughs> to the universe of elite. Um, yep. That's, I was going to say very well said, but it wasn't very well said because I said that and I messed it up. But... <laughs> I, I, <laughs> It's we a we, very we hated to point that out. Yeah, oh, no, you didn't. Nah. You never hate to point that out. Um, I think it's a fantastic so thing. That, I think that's a fantastic thing that, that they've put that in the game and as a wee memory yeah. to Mike. Mm. Um, that'd be really good. And you'll have to go through all of them to see if there's any clues to Raxler. Yeah. No, no spoilers. <laughs> Get to the last one. There's just a, just an address. I, I <laughs> just a system address. Going, Raxler's here. Oh well, <laughs> it's just a container with a post-it note on the floor. That goes. That yeah. says says. <laughs> and, and no handle. And, and no handle on the inside. That's the one. So once you get in, you read the post-it note. You know where Raxler is, and then you're locked in there for eternity. <laughs> so. But uh, yeah. So da 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 da. Space news. Space news. Space news. Yeah, okay, very good. Right. Um, okay, Space News, who's going to do the first one? I don't know anything about it, but I'll read the first one. Voyager cock up as they point it in the wrong direction <clears throat> and can't work out why they can't talk to it anymore. Maybe they've decided to hide it until the year 3301 so someone can get a first discovered and post all over the forums. It was only an inty-winty waffer or thin error. It yeah. Was only two, it was only two degrees off target. Oh, was it? But when you're several billion yeah, you're miles away, yeah. it kind of adds up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they sent a, a very slightly wrong targeting command, and um, it pointed um, at not Earth and kept sending its updates to not Earth and listening to not Earth for the updates back of what to do. Has anyone okay. checked to see if Perseverance is now going in circles? Or they sent it somewhere, uh, didn't they? Well, it was it was just pointing at not Earth. Thankfully, every seventeen days, I think it is, it does mm -hmm. an automatic. Um, Self-detect works out where it is for itself, knows where Earth should be, and points back at Earth anyway. How clever is that for something that was launched in what 1974? 
Yeah, it's pretty impressive. And yeah. it still works. And it's still what, 77, what, I think. What got yeah, me about that is the fact that they're still sending and receiving messages <clears throat> for that thing. <clears throat> imagine, <clears throat> I, I, I can't remember which processor it has, but imagine in 1977 um, what kind of processor Voyager must, uh, must have on board. Best, it'll be something like a Z80. Mm-hmm. Well, well, not even that, because um, the article I was reading was talking about how primitive in our current sort of expectation of yeah. processing power, how primitive spacecraft are, because <clears throat> yeah. you know, if, if a processor's been around for donkey's years and it works, mm-hmm. um, they'll use it in spacecraft, space. You know, yeah. And I think a lot of these things have to be hardened before they can go Yeah, exactly. Then they yeah. radiation harden them, so... I don't think what's in, in Voyager, probably something from the early 70s, which means it's, it's the size of an oil tanker. Yeah, it'll be an abacus. Yeah. And 50 years <clears> and, it, and, and it'll be four bit. Yeah, but it's, it's not. But, it's, but it still works. It's not going to be mm. much different to the one they went to the Minway when the Apollo <clears> missions. You know, it'll be something along those lines. Well, that was a lot bigger. Um, yeah. Yeah, but so, it, had a lot more, it had a lot to do as well. Yeah. Well, it, it did. You know, the, it's, it's the old thing. It's. Oh, humans oh, alive for my start. iPhone's got more power than a yeah, but yeah. Can you put your iPhone put somebody on the moon? No, it can't. <laughs> Only if you throw it really, really yeah. hard. Yes, exactly. No one's done an app for that. Yet. <clears throat> it's only so about, time. The ADL is about that size of two shoeboxes. Yeah, but the same as the uh, the app that makes your phone waterproof. Which app? Oh, it's really one? good. That I downloaded yeah. that on the original <clears throat> iPhone one. Yeah, I'm gonna test it later. But a few people caught up with that. It's like the uh, the bottle opener app where you can use your phone to open bottles. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. So anyway, Voyager's so yes, now... The, the, the happy ending is that after two or three days, it recorrected, pointed itself at Earth and said, I'm still here, guys. Yeah. Don't humans do that are, again. Humans are stupid. Yes. Yeah. And and then they admitted their stupidity. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually reminiscent of a couple of weeks back... Um, Perseverance on Mars, speaking of Percy going around in circles, lost touch with the um, the helicopter. Ingenuity. Ingenuity for oh, no 17 way. days. For 17 days? Yep, but it was almost planned. The helicopter had to land to recharge its batteries, as it does. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, it landed over the brow of a hill, hmm. uh, which meant that it was out of line of sight, so no which way, meant it so, lost yeah. all radio contact. So they knew where it was and knew why they didn't have contact. But yeah. they didn't have contact yeah. until Percy got to the top of the hill and could see it again. Yeah, at which point the battery was fully was charged and it was all ready to carry on. Speaking How did it of... charge its batteries then just off your solar panels? Solar, yeah, yeah, solar panels. It can oh. fly for like twenty minutes or something, and then it needs to sit it down for four charge. hours and recharge. And, well, speaking and of can fly perseverance, um, have you seen what Lego have done? No, oh. they haven't built a full size one, have they? Uh, well, it's not full size. it's it's. It's, it's, it's not like nice. it's a full. It's not like it's a full size cobra. It's it's like eleven hundred pieces, and it's it it's sort of it fit on your desk. It's it's kind of yeah. like shoebox sized. Um, they've made a Lego Technics uh, version of Perseverance nice. with um, but, but... ingenuity. It came out this week, yesterday, I think. Wow, looks really good. Yeah, sounds mm-hmm. like it'll be really cheap though. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about a hundred quid, I think. That's not bad. That's not bad for that many pieces. That's not bad, and not yeah. bad for what I thought they were going to charge for it. That's actually mm-hmm. okay. I, I think I, I very quickly skimmed an article. Uh, okay, shall we move on to the next news story then? No. Yes. Go, oh, go on then. 
Euclid, whatever Euclid is, opens its eyes. I don't know what Euclid is. Euclid is the satellite we talked about two weeks ago. Yeah, it was two weeks ago. The European... uh, It's the Dark Explorer. The Dark Which definitely sounds dodgy. Yeah, that does sound... Yeah. yeah. Sounds like something you might buy in Ansomers. On LaFunny, yeah. Mm. Mm. But, um, yes, it's it's performing very well from all, all reports. Yeah, before you download the images from it, you need to tick a box to say that you're over 18. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just like that joke. <laughs> jokes? You don't do jokes. You don't do jokes, yeah. Um, we so said in the intro, this what, is where old jokes come to die. No, this well, is where old jokes come, but they never die. No matter, how hard, die, no matter how hard you try. new life every week. Yeah. So, uh, so what's it doing then? Oh, it's having it's having pictures of things, I suppose. Euclid is uh, basically photographing the en- entire sky. If you wanted to look, <clears throat> I mean, I'm sure you could squash it down. But if you looked at it at proper resolution, at full resolution, on your monitor, uh, oh. a photo that Euclid takes, you would need three hundred monitors. What the, the images are so massive, they're so huge. To watch at native resolution, you need 300 monitors. And, you know, we're talking, you know, what's the, I don't know, banana-sized monitor is, but, uh, you know, using the standard measurement for monitors. I'd which, say it's probably about three or four. Well, well you know, but twice, I mean, you're talking, you're talking inch, you know, diagonal, like aren't you? Of, yeah. yeah. Diagonal is easily four, possibly That's five. a big picture. Yeah. It's a, a lot of bananas. It's, it's building a really detailed 3D map of stuff and things and then using and that stuff. to try and work out in great detail where the, the dark matter is. Yeah. Mm. No, what the hell it isn't. Ah, yeah. yeah true. So looking at the bits that is to work out where the bits that isn't are so that they can work out where the bits that isn't are and see how heavy the bits that isn't weigh oh, because they can't <laughs> see them to weigh them. And he's, and he's who's still on first? No, he's got second now. Oh, what's on second? Anyway. Euclid. <laughs> oh, and uh, did you? There's a bit of space news that isn't here. There was. Um, do you remember Spaceport Cornwall? Yes. Mm-hmm. Which was sort of a bit of a flash well, refurbishment. Yeah, um, we've now got Spaceport Shetland, um, which is advertising itself, thanks to Cornwall, as being the Britain's first vertical spaceport. Yes. Well. I don't think the spaceport's actually vertical, though, is it? Vertical I think it's just upright. Vertical spaceport, yeah. Vertical launch. Corn, Corn, Cornwall was a 747 launch. So. It was horizontal, in fact. It was so horizontal. It was so laid back, it, it didn't really work. Hmm. Um, yeah, so... They're building one in uh, Sutherland as well. Uh, another space You're further port. over, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's a horizontal or a vertical spaceport, but it's, it looks like a like a vertical spaceport. Mm. So it's just you know, I think it's just going to be a lot of private companies firing up a uh, rockets with uh, satellites and things, just commercial well, stuff. You know, the UK, UK builds. There's a surprising stat I came across. You know, like you do when you're browsing nerd sites. Um, if you take take out UK builds 15% of all satellites. If you take mm. out all the sort of university stuff like the CubeSats and, you know, the, the sort of O-level experiments and stuff like that, it's getting on for 20%. So one in five of all satellites launched is built in the UK. Mm. 
Oh yeah, they make a lot. I think they make some mm. of them done in Swindon, actually. Yep, Swindon, think, yeah. Harwell, all over the place. That sort of M4 corridor is uh, lots of. Uh, I think Northern Ireland as well. Um, yeah, build satellites up there. So quite the booming space industry. So people complain we don't like make steam trains and stuff anymore. Well, we build the current generation of cutting edge technology. Yeah, but you know. <laughs> What? Like Formula <laughs> nothing, One cars? Nothing. You just stop with yeah, but you know. It's like is it six, four teams British. Oh, there's a McLaren, is, Red yeah. Bull. There's loads yeah. of them build their cars here. Is that why they keep falling off them? It's like, no, it's why you, you kick, the, you kick the sills team, and yeah. your foot goes through the rust. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, it's why they have to, uh, it's why you have to get the EU every race. They don't start in the morning. Anyway. <laughs> That's why they have to go into the garage. I mean, sorry, the, at the pits every few minutes. Yes. Yes. Anyway. Right. Anyway. Next. 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 What's next? Well, I wasn't here last week, so I can't do this one because I didn't know there was a Spanish theme. I had an Irish theme going in mine. <laughs> we had a and Spanish I, theme. Yes. But there was what's a. Give me a sec here. So yes. why do this one? I'll have a look at this one. Let's who's, see. Whose mouse is the loudest mouse? Me, the I'm doing things. Doing important things. Um, like popping so, bubbles or something. or Carrying on the Spanish theme from last week, we take a look at the fat one, since he's not here. El Gordo. What the hell is El Gordo? It's something on the, the, the James Webb Space Telescope, isn't it? Absolutely massive galaxy cluster. Right. So, yeah, general relativity galaxy warps. Oh, that just sounds Say that cool. three times quickly. Yeah, I can't say it one time slowly. So it's it's picking up distortions in relativity. Well, it's gravitational lens in it, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's picking up a huge gravitationally lensed galaxy and cluster and all of the stuff behind this and having fun so untangling it. We're so it's rims. like the universe is crawling around looking for its gravitational lens. Is that? Do is we that think what I'm there's a? Do we think there's maybe a, a black hole in front of it then? No, it's it's the galaxy cluster itself is lensing the stuff behind it. Wow, I wonder what's going on there. That's Lots of mass. Scary. Yeah, <clears throat> that's quite scary. But this chunky. is the stuff that. Yeah, it's a it's a chunky galaxy. <laughs> The fat That's one. That's why they're calling it El I, I, I think those are referred to as a Yorkie. So, yeah, that's amazing that it's just, it's actually warping space time around about it. Just by being there. Mm. Mm. It's pretty amazing. Mm. Well, yeah. It works, apparently. Yeah, we, we, the, the quote I love is, we don't know what dark matter is, but we can use it as a telescope. Oh, yeah, that's quite good. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know what it is, but we can do stuff with it now. Well, it's a bit like, I don't know what this tube I just found in this skip is, but I'm going to use it as a telescope. Yeah. Mm. It's not really a telescope if it's just a tube, is it? Well, try and stop me. Uh, no, thanks. Of, I'm happy to let you go dark matter quiet. at each end and it will be. Yeah, a, a big blob of dark matter on either end and it'll be fine. Anyway, yes. Anyway, moving on. Anyway, moving on to some level of sanity. Flossy, um, do we have this week's 
Uh, mug winner. We certainly do. Shall I do a drum this roll way. for you? Oh yes, please. Okie dokie. This week, no, this week's mug winner is. One of our regulars, I think. Have you Enzo Wingnut Picado? Love that nickname. Yes. <laughs> Enzo um, Wingnut Picado. Yeah. yeah. At your service. My name's Picado. Wingnut Picado. <laughs> I am the Wingnut. So, you know what to do? Uh, email I took part at com with your contact details, um, address, telephone number, etc. And proof of who you leg. are with a screenshot of your cockpit showing your name yes and your mug will be sent in due course and make sure you send mm. all of your details yeah yeah anyway would you like to hear this week's word of the week i would love to nah, hear this week's word thanks. of the week this week's word of the week is jar goggle well, what does what? that mean it means to jumble or confuse can you use it in a sentence please just you try and stop me don't that's not a challenge as the party at Rampage's house got into full swing, all of the ship keys became jargoggled in the bowl. <laughs> Look at that. I've even got a picture up with the oh, spelling God. and the pronunciation. See? The, the pronunciation, not the pronunciation. The pro that's what I said, the pronunciation. All <laughs> oh, right, okay then. I'll take your word for it. Right. Anyway. Sorry, was I not enunciating? You were not pronunciating, you were pronunciating. <laughs> right. Moving on to things of a a higher a, a higher a intellectual level. What oh, is it called the CG news already? Yeah. What do you call an advert <laughs> who likes the night time? Uh Jeff. No, it's Rocky not you always see Jeff and it's never Jeff. What about Bob? Jeff's far too busy with other things. Oh, could be Bob, but it's not Bob. Is it? Is it Barry? No, he's often out late. So, an anteater who likes the night time is called an Ard Dark. Ardark. Oh my God! I guess. Uh, I guess we should move on to Flossie with the CG news. Yes. Please, please do. It's Flossie, it's Flossie, it's Flossie, it's Flossie, and the community goes. Hello, Flossie here with this week's CG News. There were no CGs last week, and um, there's no new ones this week. And um, the CCCG has had absolutely no contribution to it once again, meaning it's well on its way to completion on schedule, and we'll be able to mug Wanga Waka, or whatever it's called, soon. Again. And that's it for this week's CG News. Flossie told you what to do. Thank you, Flossie. Well, with it being a, a super week for new news, it's time for this week's take on the goings-on in the headlines from Beetlejude and Weatherspoon. Flossie 
Galnet's Digest, 3rd of August, 2009, you don't have to. In this week's news, we look at signs of the Thargoids starting to colonise the bubble. We wonder where all the blonde and the dead went to. We wonder, we wonder what, what the coming of the means, means to the safety of interstellar tra- travel. We hear, we hear the terrible, the terrible truth, truth about bark bands, and we're and grateful, grateful for the whole seals for their, for their latest, latest rescue. rescue. The Thargoids thar- appear, appear, appear to be attempting to colonise the human-inhabited bubble. bubble. Within, Within the, past the past 24 hours, hours evidence, evidence of what many new Thargoid agricultural settlements have been found, found on several atmospheric planets, planets in Thargoid space. space. Some, Some not, not much more than, more than 100 light years from Sol. Sol. These, These shots are from, are from HIP, HIP 1970. Other similar, similar settlements, settlements, known as Thargoid Barnacle Matrices, matrices have, been have been found in Cephe Sector XO A, B3, and Triangulate Sector BA A, D85, and become visible in navigation on after scanning planet. They appear to be biological composition and to consist of three parts. There are several, several white, white dome-like, dome-like structures arranged, arranged in a ring, ring that may be young, young barnacles, barnacles, and which sometimes appear to be guarded by revenants. Near, near them can be found, can be found coral, coral trees, trees, which leaves leaving portions, portions of the barnacle root system, system emerging into, into the air. air. They, they ooze some, some kind, kind of fluid that can be collected. Also, also protrude into, into the atmosphere, atmosphere are tough and spear roots. These, These may be may part, part of the Thargoid biotechnology that allows the barnacles to push down beneath the crust of the planet and to and harvest the raw materials to create the prized magic healing stuff known as eta-alloys. If these are indeed new barnacles, then the Thargoids must be planning to remain in their occupied systems close to humanity indefinitely. Or must, or must at least be confident, confident that they'll, that they'll be, able be able to come back to safely, safely harvest, harvest the crop, crop when the, the barns ripen. ripen. More, More than, than one-third one of the systems held by the Thargoids in March, March, April and May have been, have been cleared, cleared of Thargoids and returned, returned to human, to human control. control. The effect, the effect of, the of the war has been huge, with more than 16 billion humans displaced by the invaders, but now only around 120 previously populated systems remain under Thargoid control. All alerts were cleared this week, week which means, which means another, another week with no systems invaded by Thargoids, and another week of Thargoids retreat. In what, in what must be good news for those wanting, wanting to collect personal messages from the, from the Thargoid megaship dedicant, the system where it now lies, HIP HIP 1900, is one, is one of the systems, systems that have been, been cleared of Thargoids, and this and should make navigation there much safer and easier. The Federal, the Federal Intelligence, Intelligence Agency, Agency has confirmed, confirmed that the wreck, wreck discovered, discovered on Tuesday in the HIP-1900 system is, is the dead the mega ship, megaship, whose ownership, ownership was disputed between the Federation and the Order of Thargod. In a statement, Executive Agent Lock Locke confirmed what is apparent, apparent from the video already released, that massive holes have been blasted into the hole, hole which, is which is covered with toxic Thargoid slime. Locke explained, Locke explained that there'd be 8,000 prisoners, members, members of the Thargoid cult, on board, under the care of 150 FII security guards. 
and that from and the, from the, from the wreckage, wreckage it was apparent that, that thousands, thousands of escape pods had, had been, been launched. However, However an, an extensive search, search of the area, area revealed, revealed no, no trace, trace of the escape, escape pods, pods. and a thorough search, search of the megaship, megaship revealed, revealed no, no casualties, casualties at all. Everyone, Everyone far god, god FIA, FIA security, security like, like, have just, just vanished. vanished. This, this lack, lack of people, of people to, rescue to rescue comes, comes as, as a disappointment to the Terran colonial forces who have been, been planning, planning a massive, massive evacuation of the megaship. It's still, it's still worth, worth visiting, visiting the megaship, both to see and see wonder, and wonder at the destruction wrought, wrought and, to, and listen to listen to the recorded, recorded voices of some of the people, people who travelled to hit 19600 on board the Dedicant. Their testimony, Their testimony is, both is both moving and unsettling. And they, and they are, are all missing. missing. There's another, There's another and, and entirely unrelated development, development that may be of concern, concern to those, to those planning, planning to visit the Desicant. The, desicant. the Thargoids have stepped, stepped up their efforts to abduct, abduct living, living humans. humans. It has, it has been widely, widely confirmed, confirmed that the new size, size of Thargoid craft is, is a pirate. pirate. It, demands it demands in a Thargoid sort of way that you that dropping the escape, escape pods, pods you may be carrying. carrying. If, you, if comply, you comply, or if you, or if you don't, don't put up, put up a, fight, a fight as it, as it launches its hatchbreaker Olympics, it'll stop, stop shooting and its, and its drones, drones will suck up about, about 25 occupied damaged escape pods. It will then depart, leaving you, the pilot, relatively unharmed and free to scoop back up. Any escape, any escape pods that may that be left. left. The Thargoids clearly value humans, but it's, but it's unclear, unclear to what use they put, they put the ones they collect. It may, it may be that they simply need living, living flesh, flesh to grow their young. young. In short, has it, has it that Thargoid grubs begin their life, their life inside a living host, host feeding, feeding on it from the inside, until they, they burst out fully formed, presumably go off to Thargoid schools and barnacles making noises. Other more, more outlandish, frankly, frankly implausible suggestions are that the Thargoids are collecting human humans for research, research and that they, and may, that they may be probing them at the leisure, leisure back at Thargoid HQ, HQ. or that or the Thargoids are training humans to fly their ships, ships or turning, turning them into a zombie army, army to fight against, against humanity. humanity. Perhaps, Perhaps they're, simply they're simply trying to find, to find Caleb Witchley, Witchley. Salvation. salvation, so they can so they put him on trial, trial for his war, war crimes, and they intend to work their way through the entire human population, until he eventually, eventually realizes that he's a disembodied consciousness, consciousness in a guardian, guardian laboratory somewhere, somewhere far, far from, from Thorg Reach. reach. From, a, from a practical point of view, carrying escape pods can make traveling through Thorg's space much, much less, less dangerous. dangerous. If you, if you have, have escape pods, you're, you're much more likely, likely to be interdicted, interdicted by a scythe rather than a glaive. And scythes are easy to run away from, from and, and B, B don't, don't want to kill, to kill you as long as, as, long as you, you drop cargo. cargo. If you if don't, you don't want, want to drop cargo, ECM is effective, effective against patch breakers. But if, but you're, if you're indifferent and just want an easy knife, then the then only question is, who should be in the escape pods you offer up to the Thargoids? The ideal candidates would be members of the Black Flight or of Azimuth Biotech, who caused all this trouble in the first place. But if you have an escape pod from that annoying pirate who couldn't believe you made it this far and who was going to boil you up using the pulse lasers on his sidewinder, well, that's an ideal snack for a scythe. If your luxury passenger wants you to detour via Hutton Orbital for a mug and some megagin, 
why not head off in search of a scythe instead? Collect your worst enemies and let them give you a helping hand as you jettison them serenely into the maws of the scythe. These escape pods came from the peacemaker ship the Kingfisher. After all, it's what they would have wanted. Universal cartographics and vista genomics have finally revealed what many have long feared that Barkmounds are an endangered species throughout the galaxy. Barkmounds are cone like plants, fungi, or animals, no one seems to quite know which. They used to live in social colonies, sometimes several hundred strong, but now are more commonly found in ones and twos. A change to the detailed surface scanner now more accurately reflects where bark mounds can still be found. There used to be about 6,000 planets with bark mounds now. It appears that there are only about 2,500 left. Their range is now limited only to planets with volcanism, which means that the bark mound tourist beacon near McTurner base is looking pretty silly on a planet with no bark mounds, whatever. There seems little chance of reintroducing this peaceful and strangely calming plant life to planets where they've died out. But Commander LCU Nofel like one, who's also running as a write-in candidate for the much-delayed federal election, has organised a collection to see if a breeding colony of the conical critters can be established. He has strenuously denied that the credits collected will be used to fund his presidential campaign. You may not appreciate it, but the Elite Dangerous Market Connector is a vital piece of software in the cockpit. It feeds data to plugins like the Canon plugin and the Hutton Helper, and it provides information to EDDN, EDSM, and Inara, which in turn provide the source data for a load more tools. All those tools you use to find the nearest source of meta alloys or to plot a route using the Neutron Superhighway, they get most of their data from commanders who use EDMC. And EDMC has been assured a new lease of life after Hull Seals commanders Rickson and C1701D, who describe themselves as Cyber Seals, are the new guardians of the sacred code, and they have willing helpers among the ranks of the Hull Seals to test the new releases and ensure that we all have access to vital information about the galaxy when we need it. Commander Rickson explained that third-party tools are vital in the cockpit, providing a critical component to our experience in the galaxy. He encourages commanders to take a look at these tools that may enhance their piloting experience. The Hull Seals are proud to be a part of keeping these tools working and to provide a service to commanders everywhere. He also reminds commanders that if they fly a little bit too fast into a planet, the Hull Seals are always happy to come out and provide repairs free of charge and in a friendly and efficient manner. If you'd like to install EDMC, go to github.com slash edcd slash edmarketconnector and click on latest release on the right hand side to see the installer download. And that's this week's Galnet News, and we didn't even have time to talk about cup lids for hot beverages. Galnet News. We read the news, so you don't have to.
ever incisive, ne never jar-goggled, but occasionally with added echo. Thank you, Galnet News, and sorry for making a mess, 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 mess of your hard work. Right, it's time to see who's won some decals and what magic number wang Alex Zuno's come up with this week. are sponsored by the Hutton Helper, the only third party resource to come with a free probinator to keep you occupied on those long journeys. This week we have the following events. The Why Did Aliens Come All The Way Out Here shield, the Bring Me As Many Hillbillies As You Can Find cup, the Looking Inside Cows and Doing Butt Stuff challenge, the I'm not saying it was aliens but Deja Vu trophy, the I'll give you an alien autopsy you won't forget, survival challenge, and the sucked off by a flying saucer extravaganza. So, keep dodging the beam of light. The hot and helper results are Murderbot jumped to 27,000 light years to come fast and distance travelled. Murderbot also sold 23,000 tons of cargo. Rincewind Cymru earned 1,090 mission points. Attic 2 handed in 272 million credits worth of bounties, so no Alex with this week. Totally in handed in 710 million credits worth of combat bonds. Dark Virtual destroyed exactly 1,000 Thargoids. And Sophia delivered 1,152 people safely, more or less, to their various destinations. So, decals for Butterbot, Totally in and Val Silvana for exploration data cashed in. Please email itookpart at huttonorbital.com and arrange to collect your Hutton decal kit, which this week consists of an old weather balloon, a plank with a piece of hairy string nailed to it, and some Roswell grey paint. There have been three Hutton runs in the last seven days. They are Tao Z, who did the run in 1 hour 23 minutes 58 seconds, and Bandicoot, who did two runs, the fastest of which was 1 hour, 24 minutes and 49 seconds. Now, there is a whole galaxy of stuff out there needing echoed, 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 retipulated, desalinated, shuggled, mitigated, exploded, launched, perused, motivated, evacuated, dejected, manhandled or womanhandled, deliquest and then smeared, emphasised, Bundled into the back of a hauler, lasered in the face, snuffled, flip-flopped, mistranslated to and from Scottish, frothed, chilled, mugged, ginned, wrapped up with a pretty bow, shipshot rescued, stewed in their own juices, battered and deep-fried, dead-dropped, painted and rolled down a hill, destroyed, bought, phoned in, squeezed, inflated, patched, liquidated, evaporated, smelled, licked, defenestrated, discombobulated, recombobulated, Mutinied or mutated, masturbatorned, headbutted, eviscerated, compressed, enveloped, strained, fermented, motherized with an S, interrobanged, upcycled, violently downcycled, disallowed, but then reallowed after consulting VAR, loved, adored, meowed at repeatedly, cherished, and provenated. And you can earn yourself a very fetching hut and decal for doing it. To get involved, you just have to go to hot.fordemug.com and download or sign up for the spectacular Hutton Helper, 
now available in three empirical formats. Let's face it, anything has to be better than not being picked by the aliens. Anyway, that's it for this week. Back to Studio 5. And now we go to Amelia Hawk for this week's Vez Digest. You are about to listen to Amelia Hawk. She tries all the galaxy's most dangerous rare items, so you don't have to. supermoon this week back on Earth. Yes, we know that you can experience a supermoon or even a supermoon moon whenever you want just by flying to the right planet, but we like remembering the ones back on Earth. We've travelled to the Hecate system, named for the ancient goddess of magic, the moon, witchcraft and the night. The system is anything but eerie and mysterious when you first arrive. Harrison 13 is a glowing jewel of a world, only 500 light seconds or so from the arrival point and the lightly terraformed to be suitable for human life. Under the guardianship of the Brotherhood of Terra Mater, a listed anarchy faction, the planet is rarely visited, but not just because of the volatile political situation. Covered in a mixture of land masses and oceans, the first thing you notice are the regular chains of islands dotted across the seas. At night, you can see them light up and sunsets are changed by smoke in the sky to eerie colours. The world is volcanically active, reminiscent of Earth in prehistoric times before life left the oceans and set foot on the land. It is in the oceans that we find this week's rare food, the Hecate sea worms. Dive below the surface of the ocean in your moray starboat, and yes, they, they have a handful still in service on this world, and head towards one of the many tectonic plate margins and the landscape becomes dotted with mysterious looking columns, plumes of underwater smoke, and a light of lava breaking the surface, bubbling and then rapidly cooling. As with primordial Earth, these thermal vents have naturally and quite independently of the terraforming of the planet, spawned life. It's too dark down there for photosynthesis, but the rich minerals brought up from the planet's depths, plus the warmth and abundant hydrogen, allow for chemosynthesis, the creation of organic life from pure chemistry. In certain regions of the planet, these vents are sulfurous and the sea is far more salt salty than you'd find on Earth. But life thrives, growing, swimming and evolving in a microcosm around the volcanic activity. On the hydrothermal vents, we find this week's food, Hecate sea worms. Not true worms, but life forms that grow directly from the vents themselves, mouths catching passing microscopic organisms, waving vigorously in the swirling hot water. Um, I mean, by hot we mean scalding. These worms live in conditions that would kill most life as we know it. But 
soft as they are, they're undamaged by the temperatures or the salt. The seascape here is stunning, viewed through the tough screen of our submersible ship. The lights pick out strange creatures and astonishing geological features. Worm farmers use drones, reinforced with the kinds of thermal protection that you'd normally see in solar probes to harvest the worms, plucking them live from the rock face. Still alive, for their hardy, they're brought ashore as food for island living communities. Healthy and nutritious, they're not to everyone's taste. The sulfurous environment gives them a strong, eggy flavour, and the saltiness and aquatic nature a fishy undertone. For those who like a tuna niçois or egg and cress sandwich, I'm sure that they're delicious, but they certainly aren't for everyone. To enjoy them properly, you'll need a strong stomach. The locals like to eat them whilst they're still alive. Yes, they're cooked, but the meat, the heat is there to kill any bacteria. The worms thrive on it. They're then fast cooled over ice before being served still alive on the plate. Scoffing down your first wriggling, eggy, fishy, fleshy worm is an interesting experience. The feeling in your belly, as if you've eaten your third, is like nothing I've ever felt before. If you're not as hardy as the locals, you can try jellied Hecate worms, or even the pickled variety. I mean, and rumours are that local moonshine specialists even preserve theirs, still alive, in bowls of alcohol to keep them happy. However, for authenticity, I'm swallowing mine whole and, well, hoping for the best. They are rare. With the terraforming complete, the world's volcanic activity is diminishing at a rapid pace. Mining firms have strip-mined the seabeds, hunting for rare minerals, and there are only a small number of areas where the Hecate worms still survive. As for the danger, well, I'll be brutally honest. After, after seeing a plate of these, I'm in sincere danger of being horribly, persistently and violently ill. After tasting them, uh, I have adventurous tastes when it comes to rare foods, but this is just one step too far. A word of warning, don't try the ones that are from other events. Rare minerals sometimes include radioactive ones and you wouldn't want to start glowing and floating around the room. Try one on a dare. Or, or visit the hippie, authentic culinary experience. But trust me, unless you're planning an imperial orgy of strange foods, you're unlikely to gain any thanks from your guests. This is Amelia Hawk of the Galnet Food Digest. I'm off to find something really, really strong to drink so that I can stop the wriggling and tickling that I feel in my insides currently. Thank you, Amelia. That sounded even <laughs> less appetising than most of what you eat. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I am looking forward to the barbecue that they're going to have at the ECM. As long as they don't have worms on it. Yeah. It doesn't have worms, does it? <laughs> hmm. <clears throat>
Hopefully not. Hopefully. Everything, yeah, ever but, since but barbecue should be good. <laughs> barbecue for dinner. Mm-hmm. Mm. I love barbecue. It's like yeah. my favourite Wales food. Nights, it'll be in the secret garden. Oh, secret garden. Yeah, barbecue we, in the secret garden just sounds like a euphemism to me, but... It so does, so yeah. We just broadcast yeah. it on the radio, so it's not so mm. secret anymore. No, it's, it's not. Mm. <laughs> it's a <like> dark explorer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll be, we'll be, we'll be looking at the dark explorer in the secret garden. <laughs> not listening. Mm. I know it says Secret Garden, but I'm, it says Secret Garden, but I'm here in Lady Garden. I think that's I guess, the problem. So the well, big, the big, big question on my lips uh-huh. right now. Forty-two. Who's, who's going to do? That, that's the answer. It's not the question. Well, I know, but one okay, leads to another. The question? <laughs> the question is, who's going to do the for the mug this week? Because I don't do the for the mug when I'm pushing the buttons. And especially not when Mooncake's next to me, next to me, ready to pull the crap out of me if she, if she gets it right. If you want, as I'm on my own. Yeah, I think it's I think it's Dinty Flossy this week, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Floss. She's, not, she's in herself. Why not? Just shout. <laughs> Hang on, let me turn up my headphones. <laughs> Are you ready, Flossy? <laughs> I'm ready. Good night, everyone. <laughs> Mug, 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 mug. For that mug. No journey too long and no cargo too small. The profit margins never really mattered at all. We're gonna take the cargo where it's needed today. Super cruising all across the Milky Way. We'll take anything, anytime, and I will.
Everyone's buggered off now, so why don't you bugger off too? Seamless.